afternoon. My name is Leah Moody, and I am here to talk about employment law. I'm missing my beloved co-host today, John Scholes. Uh, Lior Samfiro also isn't here, but you've got me. My name is Leah Moody. I'm an employment lawyer here in Vancouver. And every week, I take over these airwaves to talk about employment law, to talk about you, your situations that can arise in uh, your workplace, and to answer your questions. So if you're listening in and you hear something that sounds like a situation that you're going through, and you want to ask a question about something that's going on in your workplace or a change that's been made to your job, or an employment agreement that's put in front of you, a termination that may have just happened, something, anything that you just want to give me a, a call about, you call star 9898, and we can chat about it here over the next hour. You can also send us an email if you'd like, help at employmenthour.ca. Um, so first, we'll start off, as we always do, uh, with the week that was. This, this week, we will be talking about the most common questions that I get as an employment lawyer. Um, we're also going to be talking about uh, negotiating your own severance. I get a lot of questions uh, about that every week. Uh, but we always start off every week with the week that was, and that is uh, files, situations, real people that I'm dealing with in my practice as an employment lawyer. And a few weeks ago, uh, we were talking about how human rights violations tend to be a bit more underground than they are explicit. Uh, and so our human rights tribunal doesn't require an applicant to prove that the employer said something like, you know, you're fired because I don't like the color of your skin or I'm not hiring you because you were wearing religious garments. Uh, we talked about how rare it is that someone is that explicit. I mean, we also talked about incredibly how people still say these things all the time. But I actually had two examples of exactly that this week, uh, both of which I wanted to talk about today. The first involved a woman who was undergoing a, a fairly rigorous interview process with a company uh, with the intent of placing her at one of their locations. So she interviewed at, I think it was about five or six different locations, and she wasn't hired at any of them. And she told me that all but one of those interviews was about one to two hours in duration, uh, and that this interview at one of the branches was only about 30 minutes. So that raised a red flag with her. Um, when I asked her why she wasn't hired at that branch, she told me that she had asked that same question of her interviewers. And in response, the interviewer told her that she thought it was rude that she didn't remove her scarf. And in this case, the scarf was actually the woman's hijab, which is fairly obviously not a woolen winter scarf. So this comment, in conjunction with the shorter interview, which, of course, made me immediately think that she was being judged on her appearance and then subsequently discounted, and the fact that she wasn't offered any other reason for not being hired except for the fact that she thought it was rude that she didn't remove the scarf, gives rise to a discrimination complaint under the Human Rights Code. The second woman that I spoke to was at the other end of the process. She was just recently fired. And this woman had been on uh, two maternity leaves while employed with the company. And she is, just now, about one month away from the end of her second leave. So last week, the company called and said to her, you're not coming back. We've got no room for you. Now, this is, in its own right, contrary to the Employment Standards Act, which provides that someone who takes maternity or parental leave must be returned to the same job that they left, or a job that is comparable in terms of stature and compensation. But this woman also told me that when she was asked why she was being let go, she was told that it was because she got pregnant too quickly after her first leave, and that they couldn't have that happen again. 
So, I mean, yes, this is absolutely horrifying to hear, but it's also a little unbelievable. Um, I am, of course, inclined to believe what my clients tell me, sometimes to my detriment. But when I hear stories like this, I also want to believe that people and employers are generally good people. Um, Or even if they aren't good people, they want to not be sued. So it can be difficult to believe that people actually say these things. So I try to get proof. And that is where uh, a lawyer comes in. Um, I, I do believe we've got John, who's joining us now. John? Hey, buddy. How are you? Oh, hi. I missed you. Yeah, you know what? I'm guilty as charged. I just got off the plane a little while ago from Cancun. Oh, I do not forgive you. (laughs) I took a really quick cab ride to get to the studio, okay? So I'm here and I'm ready to roll. So let's talk employment. (laughs) Perfect. Did you you hear what I was going over? Because you you love this stuff. It's it's outrageous, right? It's so obvious to us, but to the average and and, and some people that that own businesses and run businesses, it's like, man, it's such a big bull of wrong and they get it wrong all the time, right? So continue. Don't want to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. So I I was just saying that in both of these situations, I couldn't believe they both came up in the same week. And I decided to try my luck with both of them. Let's see if we can get proof, right? Because mm-hmm. both of these women could have taken their stories to the Human Rights Tribunal right away and had some degree of success with those stories. But if you have got evidence of that, then all the better, all the stronger and all the more leverage you have. Yep. So in both of those cases, I told the woman to send an email that mentions somewhere in it the comment that was made to them. This has the effect of getting the comment in writing shortly after it's said, which, as we know, is usually pretty crucial. But it also way more importantly, it gives the individual an opportunity to respond. And in both cases, John, the individual responded, but completely sidestepped the comment that they were being accused of making. So in my view, this does not present well to a judge at all. Not defending yourself when you're given the opportunity can be used, in my view, as evidence if the comment was actually made. I mean, think about it. John, if you got an email saying, uh, I didn't appreciate it the other day when you said that you don't like disabled people, would you just leave that? No. If you didn't say it, you'd respond to it. So not responding to it is not a a good look. And now, you know, they have a better claim. And I hope to be pursuing both of these claims at the Human Rights Tribunal, which, as you know, deals exclusively with human rights code complaints. I just thought that these two stories were a great reminder because you can never say it enough times as a lawyer and on this show and in employment law situations to get things in writing whenever you can. And my favorite strategy, and I say this all the time, is usually through an email. Not just because you have the date and time timestamp, but because it gives the other side a chance to respond. And if they don't, then you're in a way better position in what would otherwise be a he said, she said dispute. And it often works uh, the other way, the same way when you're being accused by something, whether it's for a wrongful dismissal or something you did wrong at work and your boss or your employer tells you something, you have to respond through emails well and say, I don't believe or I don't agree because of this, this and this. Have it in writing as well, right? Yeah, I think that emails work so well all the time, you know, for the date timestamp, like I said, but also because it gives that person a chance to respond if you're defending yourself in the case of being written up or if you want to start recording um, issues of harassment in the workplace as well. That is also a really good time to start drafting those emails. I know you mentioned the email is help at employmenthour.com. Emails, uh, rather, the phone lines are wide open. That is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll go right till uh, close to 5 o'clock, so free, uh, feel free to call in with your questions, answers, and, uh, you know, anything. If you have a severance offer in front of you, if you've been had a friend down the road or the guy across the fence has uh, lost his job, he's got a severance offer, not sure if it's right, uh, you'll want to call the show, get some information. And I also want you to talk a little bit before we take our uh, first break here about the 
severance pay calculator. Give us some details on it. Yeah, so severancepaycalculator.com. Uh, you visit this site. It's a website that my firm created. You punch in your age, your position, and your length of service, and you're instantly provided with uh, a range of months that you could be entitled to in the event of a termination. The reason why we created this is because we understand that as an employee, knowledge is power, and we're trying to seek to inform people, if you ever find yourself in this position, you will know what your entitlements are. Uh, if you didn't get to it in time, then then take a look at it on your smartphone on the way to the bathroom after the termination meeting happens, but before you sign that piece of paper. Know what you're entitled to. And when you see that number come up on the website, know that it is not a trick. It looks a lot different than what the Employment Standards Branch says you're entitled to, but that's because we're talking about two different entitlements. Severance Pay Calculator tells you what your common law rights are, which can be significantly yeah. greater than what you're entitled to under the Employment Standards Act. So check it out. Free to visit severancepaycalculator.com. And with that, we'll take our first break. Phone lines are wide open, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. This is the Employment Hour right here, 980 CKNW. And we are right back at her indeed. The number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell is a way to call in. Leah covering the show on this Sunday as we get to our first call tonight. Shireen, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Good. What's, uh, what's your concern? This is an employment lawyer? I am, yes. Uh, yeah, Leah, or, uh, Leah is, yeah. I was a nurse for a long time in Canada, and it was great. I had a union. I became a travel nurse, and you go to different um, states and there's no laws down there, for, you know. So I was working in, a, in an emergency, and this is just one of them. And a lady was, you know, I knew she was going down. She wasn't feeling good. She was older, uh, like 50. And uh, and the nurse that was orientating me said, no, she's just a drug addict. She's just a drug addict. She's just trying to get drugs. But I knew that, nurse, that patient was something was wrong with her. And I had talked to the doctor about it before. So I went back to her because I had a feeling. When you're a nurse for a long time, you get a feeling. And sure enough, yeah. the doctor walked in and said, do you think she should go to ICU? And I said, yeah. She was intubated within 45 minutes. I was fired the next day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And and why were you fired? Did they give you a reason? They said that I didn't fit in. And uh, I said, well, let me talk to that doctor and, and, the, and tell you what happened yesterday because it was about that. And she said, no, you, you didn't listen to the nurse. You should have followed the nurse. You didn't have to do that. And my girlfriend that was a travel nurse down there she said Deborah you can't or it was Shireen she said you can't do that all the time you can't just uh, go against the doctor you should have just stayed with with that patient and let her go down and I said that's crazy so then I, I go to Phoenix and I, I get a job there and I was 10 minutes late I shouldn't have been that was another a 13 week assignment and I was shouldn't have been late on the first day but the girl said it's okay I'm just training on the computer and I can't get this computer up and twice in the day, she's freaking out with this computer, like swearing and everything. So I go out in the back alley to say, have a break twice, because I didn't want to be around her when she was doing that. They call me in at 2 or 3.30 at the end of the shift, and they said, you won't fit in here. And I said, why? I said, she was, and they said, we don't want to hear it. You're, you're done. Wow. So I'm an excellent nurse. I, I never had that happen in Canada. But down there, there's nothing you can do. If they don't like you, you're down the road. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this the states. Some of the states are at will states, which means that they can terminate you anytime for any reason they want to. Yeah. Um. You know, but but your story brings a couple of really good points to mind here, Shireen, and and I'm glad you called and shared your story because, um, you know, as we recently saw with the news story about Rogers and what came out with Bell and all the big banks, um, people are asked to act against their moral and their ethics all the time. You know, you didn't want to, uh, you know, follow instructions with respect to this particular woman because you didn't feel like it was in the patient's best interest and you were performing the job as you knew best how to as a nurse um, in accordance with the way that that you know how to perform your job. Um, And you can't be made as an employee to act against your morals and to act against your ethics. And you certainly can't be fired for that. I was fired another time. This it's crazy down there. I, I don't know how I kept it up. Uh, there was a, a <laughs> um, she was a, a sex change in Washington, and that's not, nothing to do with me. I don't care. Everybody loved her, and that's fine. I, I don't care. But when I was given a report, I referred to another patient as he when she wanted to be she, because that's a new thing now. So I mi- mixed up, and I called her she a couple times because she looked like a girl. I don't care about that, but this uh, particular person that was getting the change jumped up in the room and, and walked out and said, I don't appreciate all that stuff. And I said, it's got nothing to do with it. I didn't mean to call her a, a, a sh- or he. You got the wrong pronoun. Yeah. Little gang, and I got oh. fired there, too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and this is all in the States, eh? Yep. Yeah. I mean, are, are you working now, Shireen? I'm just up here on a break, and i got to work again, but I don't even want to because of this. Like, I told her, I said, I'd rather work here because there's a union, and I never had to put up with that when there's a union, because you can tell somebody, if they're bullying you, to stop it. Well, let's be very clear about one thing. You don't have to be unionized to um, to not have to deal with bullies. Every employer in Canada has an obligation to keep your workplace free from harassment and bullying. So even if you had non-unionized employment as a nurse here in Canada, you can and you should absolutely use the harassment policies that your employer should have in place legally in order to bring forward these complaints. Every employee has a has a right to well, a workplace wish, free from harassment. I wish I could. I mean, it, it's so I wish you I could, could, too. I did sue one place and I got $5,000 because it was terrible, you know, like what they did to me. But it's like that down there. And I don't know what to change because I really like the states, too, and I like to go back and forth. But... You get a you get you get scared after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you would, and, and unfortunately, I mean, there's nothing that that Canadian employment lawyers can do for the employment law situation in the United States. But I can tell you that to the extent that I feel like things are unfair in Canada, because there are ways that you know employees still aren't treated appropriately here. Um, yeah. I do, and I have many peers who work towards making it a better environment towards em- for employees in Canada as well. I know it's it's so nice to have a union. I'm telling you. It is. Well, you you yeah. can just go and be a nurse, and you don't have to worry if anybody likes you or not. <laughs> that's that's true. But you, like I said, you shouldn't have to worry about that anyway. And and if you're not unionized, every employee who's non-unionized, they've got the law in their corner too, and they've got employment lawyers in their corner. So uh, you know, there's a whole access of of help and people who are willing to fight for you if you just know how to access it, which is part of the reason why we do this show. So, uh, Shereen, I I really hope that you uh, you get back out there, you get back out yeah. there, uh, and and you do the job that you're meant to do. And, and the other side, that you know, Shereen's saying she felt protection by the uh, by the union on the front end, yes. But as we said so many times, on the back end is where you don't get the protection when it comes to severance. You're not going to get the same severance, nor can you go outside the union to seek the help of a lawyer like yourself. That's no. the only problem with and it, right? John, I had I've had so many calls um, in the last couple of weeks. I had a, a meeting that just about broke my heart two weeks ago. Um, and that was uh, with respect to individuals who were unionized, not feeling like their claims were being grieved.
behaved appropriately or that they were being entirely ignored. And there was nothing uh, that I could do for them. There's nothing yeah. that I can do as an employment lawyer in those situations. And it's uh, it, it can be difficult to, to stand by and watch sometimes. I know you had, uh, before we take a break here in a couple of minutes, you had another situation you wanted to talk about when it came to the week that was, yeah? Yes, yeah, I do. Um, it's okay. it's actually another topic that just came from a, a variety of calls that I had wherein some individuals expressed a certain degree of surprise at what they were entitled to in terms of the components of their severance package. And okay. this is so important to talk about because the information is just not out there. You know, hence the surprise reactions when I speak to people yeah. about it. Even if you've made it past that initial Google search that tells you that you're only entitled to a maximum of eight weeks, which as we as which as we know is not necessarily true and is in fact not true for the majority of individuals I speak with. But even if you know you've got entitlements under what's known as the common law, there's very little information out there that talks about what it is that you're entitled to over this period. Um, And the premise that we start with in Canada is that if you're an employee who is terminated on a without cause basis, you are entitled to notice of that termination. You are entitled to be told two, six, maybe even 24 months in advance of your termination that you're going to be terminated. If the employer doesn't want to give you notice, they can pay you out instead. And oftentimes, employers and employees think that this means just giving you your salary that you would have earned over that period of time. But think about that for a second. If you have working notice such that you work until the date of your termination, it wouldn't just be your salary that continues. You'd still be enrolled in benefits. You'd still be earning commissions and bonuses. You'd be getting yeah. pension contributions. You'd be having your phone bill paid for. You know, So an employer can elect to pay you out if they want to, but they also have to compensate you for the loss of all of those extras. They should keep you enrolled in the benefits if it's administratively possible. And if it's not, they should give you a lump sum of money that's equivalent to the premiums that they would have paid on your behalf so that you can get replacement insurance at no additional cost. Pension contributions should continue to be made. And importantly, you are entitled to a bonus. You're entitled to your commissions, and that can be a huge component of your earnings. You're entitled, if you earn overtime regularly, to be compensated for the lost opportunity to earn overtime. So the takeaway here is that everything counts. Everything's on the table. And in the case where there's a bonus on the line, you know, or you're the only member of your family that has access to benefits, we're talking about a really significant component of your severance package that you are entitled to. And that would include car allowance. And if you're a straight commission uh, employee, they would take an average of your salary, you would write all your commissions and, and go from there, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you are, if you're earning commissions, what they'll typically do, and it depends how it's paid, but, um, you know, you can look at the last three months if you earn commissions on a regular basis and it's fairly variable. You look at the average of the last three months and you'd prorate that over the notice period going forward. If you're earning annual bonuses or, you know, you're paid some sort of commission on an annual basis, you'd look at the average of the last three years. And you'd pay that on a prorated basis going forward. But the point is, is that you're not just entitled to uh, to get what you've earned. You are entitled to that uh, to be compensated for the lost opportunity to earn it over the notice period. We'll take a short break. Robert, I see you hanging on the line. Uh, We'll get to you and you as well. Phone line 604-280-9898 or star 9898 in the cell. This is the Employment Hour. It's right here on 980 CKNW. Right back out of we go till 5 o'clock this afternoon. If you haven't checked it out, you want to know what your severance should be, the right amount, your full entitlement, severancepaycalculator.com. Yeah, the phone lines are open, star 9898 on cell to call through. And uh, we'll get to uh, to Robert. Thanks for hanging in through the uh, break. Robert, how are you? I'm not too bad yourself. Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you? 
Well, back in um, last year, April, I was mm-hmm. misdiagnosed with an epileptic uh, seizure attack. And my employer, based upon what the neurologist had said, it, um, I had to lose my license. And I was a commercial driver at the time. Um, so my, my employment put me on light duties, which I was untrained for, um, working in the yard. Now, um, I requested a second opinion, and while going through my second opinion, um, and it looked good that it was a misdiagnosis, they called me into a meeting abruptly on a Monday morning. Um, The regional vice president and the HR manager came in, uh, brought me into a closed-door meeting and said, well, we have exhausted our uh, requirements for your, your accommodating and we are going to be laying you off for shortage of work. Now, at the time, um, they were hiring for a driver for a different position in that same branch, and as I was um, being laid off, they, I heard that they were hiring for a counter position at the same time, and uh, I was not um, looked at for either of those positions, um, but I was laid off for shortage of work. Now, approximately a month to a month and a half after I was laid off, they actually hired um, for those two positions and filled them. Now, I was laid off August, uh, beginning of August, and I got my license returned to me due to the um, second opinion, uh, being I was allergic to a ingredient that I had eaten, uh, and I got my license returned as of September 25th. Now... Um, the positions were filled, and I went to see a lawyer at that time, and they had said, well, you really don't have any um, civil suit-type um, litigation that you can go through, but you can contact the Human Rights Tribunal and go through it that way. Um, so that's what I did, and I have actually um, a Human Rights Tribunal claim going through. But my situation where when they had actually laid me off for shortage of work, um, they paid me one week of lieu and two weeks of severance. Now, I'm not too sure whether severance is paid only for firings or layoffs. And the other thing is, when I received my letter, it was the end of the meeting that we had, and I didn't know I was getting laid off. Uh, they, were, they told me in the meeting that um, it was just for, uh, they were going to pay for three weeks for me to spend time off at home, and recover, uh, and it was deceiving. And then the last minute or two, they gave me the shortage of uh, shortage um, layoff notice. Now, is that legal? Um, hmm. And what's the precedence for that? That can be. Yeah. Done? Wow, Robert. There's so much going on here. And you know, first things first. I'm glad to hear that you have a human rights tribunal claim ongoing because uh, when you first told me that this occurred back in April of last year, I immediately started the clock in my head because you've got six months from the date of a discriminatory event in order to bring an application with the Human Rights Tribunal. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you got in under the wire and you've got that going on. But but in my mind, you do have a civil claim. And the good news is that it's not too late to act upon it. Um, now, before I give you that answer definitively, there's some other things that I would like to look at. But let's just answer a couple of your preliminary questions because you raise a lot of really good points. Now, um, may I just break in one other of course. thing? Um, in the shortage of work uh, layoff letter, it stated that they would continue my benefits on for an, for an additional month because I do have children and a family. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, the day after my layoff, um, I got a notice to my dentist, and they said that my coverage was cut off. I contacted the company and said, no, it wasn't. And this happened back and forth about three or four times until finally a month later they said, yeah, it was canceled. Um, resubmit your, your uh, receipt and we'll pay for them. Mm-hmm. When I did that, they said, no, we're not covering them. Okay, so I mean, that's that's a fairly easy remedy, and, and that's actually really common. Um, most companies aren't self-insured, so you've got a lot of issues with the right hand not knowing no. what the left is doing. The company will often say, no problem, uh, we will continue your benefits, not knowing that the benefit providing company can't actually do so from an administrative perspective if you're no longer actively employed. But that's not your problem. That's the company's problem because they promised you that you would have access to benefits. So if they can't reinstitute your benefit claim, then you have a claim for the out-of-pocket expenses that you've incurred. Okay. okay, so that's so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, number two, the thing that you asked me with respect to the difference between layoffs and firing, um, there there is a difference from a legal perspective, but I find that most people use those terms interchangeably. Um, when people say that I've been laid off, they actually do mean that they've been terminated, and they do mean that they've been fired. Um, okay. It's just it's just a bit of a misnomer. So if you haven't been returned to work, if they haven't recalled you, then that absolutely is a termination. That is a firing, um, okay. and you are entitled to severance. So how long were you there, Robert? I was there for a year. Okay. You were there for a year, and how old are you? I currently am 37, turning 38 uh, next month. Okay. And now, you said... Actually, yeah. one other thing that's just recently happened. Um, I've been applying to position with the company ongoing since my layoff to try to get back in, because I did like working for the company, and I did enjoy the people I worked with. Um, and in December, I applied for a, a driver position because I do have my license back in a different branch. And the manager of that branch called me in, and I even told him up front, I said, look, I don't know about my employability. You may have to talk to HR because I do have a claim. He called me in either way and said, yeah, I'd still like to see you. I've come in. Um, he said everything positive, saying, yeah, I'd love to hire you on. Uh, we wouldn't have to train you because you've got all the policies and procedures. Great. Okay, I'll talk to HR. I didn't hear back from them, didn't hear back from them, and they said they filled the position. And okay. they already said that they were going to hire me. So you've been spending a lot of your time trying to find replacement employment with the same company? I've tried, yes. But yeah. I, I, I took a, a temporary job on mm-hmm. somewhere else in the meantime. Okay, when did that start? That started in October when I got laid off in August. Okay, so I think that you've got a very, very good case to make that you're entitled to be compensated for the full amount that you are unemployed. So if that's eight weeks and you were paid three, then that means that you're entitled, I think, in my mind, to five. I do think that your your strongest claim absolutely sounds like the Human Rights Tribunal complaint here. Um, and that is something that, that we can help with, that any employment lawyer can help with. Um, you know, it, it is a Human Rights Tribunal can be fairly, um, you know, it's very friendly towards self-represented applicants, but, you know, it is a court proceeding at the end of the day. So, you know, if you want someone in your corner, please feel free to give me a call off the air. But you do also have a, uh, a severance claim here. You have a severance claim, I think, for the remainder of the time that you were unemployed um, and for the benefits, the benefits component as well. And, and you know, if that was a big component of your remuneration, important to you and important to your family, it's really important that you get that covered off, Robert. Now, there was another issue I had um, during the time prior to uh, getting employed at the temporary job is that um, when they filed my ROE uh, to the CRA, yeah. um, they only gave me, or filed for the final um, severance, they only gave me the one week in lieu of. So when I tried to get EI, 
I had EI call me back saying, um, the ROE and your claim look different. You're claiming more money. So they filed the wrong ROE. So EI had to contact them and get the proper one of the three weeks sent in. So I had to wait an additional six weeks to even try to get EI as well. This employer's just made a big mess of it, huh? Brutal. They have. Yeah, that is... That is, well, I mean, you know what? So there's something called special damages too, and you know, if if you've had to take out, if you had to take out a loan to cover any expenses during that time, and you I had to did, pay, yeah. and you had to pay interest on that loan, um, you know, that is something that we can include as part of a claim as well. I would think that that's probably, you know, the last thing on the list. Um, you know, smaller fish, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but you know, you do have you you got to consider. A co- Considerable, considerable complaint here. Sorry, um, you've got the Human Rights Tribunal complaint, and you've got the uh, the severance, the severance as well to go after. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate all the help, and I will have to uh, contact, uh, I guess, another lawyer because the last one said I really didn't have a great claim. Well, Robert, wow. I mean, give give me a call. <laughs> this is what I do. I do this every day. I I love my job, and I'd be happy to help you out. Robert, here's that uh, number, 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123. And help at employmenthour.com. There is a lot of stuff going on right there. Oh, my God. I'd have so much fun with that. Like, I know that that's somebody's life, but that is that is so, there's so much going on there that, that is important to rectify in this situation. You know, you've got the Human Rights Tribunal complaint. You've got the severance. You've got the benefits. You've got the fact that they that they messed up the ROE and they that because of that error, he was denied EI properly for those three weeks. I mean, that there's just so much going on there, Robert. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff there. You know, a lot of people just they will call you out of the blue and they'll say, you know, they, their scope won't be nearly as big as Robert's, but they'll say stuff like, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Can my employer terminate my employment? And they're shocked, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're surprised all the time because the answer is yes. You can absolutely yeah. be terminated if you didn't do anything wrong. And and I do think that that's primarily because of the compu- confusion with unionized employment. Um, you know, when we were talking to Shreen earlier, the collective bargaining agreement will usually require there to be just cause for any termination. But if you're a non-unionized employee, your employer can terminate you at any time for yeah. any reason as long as it's not discriminatory and as long as they pay you your full severance entitlements. And and also, I mean, that reason can also be no reason. And and it, I understand that you don't get a lot of closure through that. And, you know, it can be difficult to swallow just all of a sudden being told that you're gone. But but that is an employer's right from a business perspective to terminate you uh, without reason at any time, as long as they uh, provide you with the appropriate severance package. And that really, that's why knowing what your severance entitlements are is so important because that's the way in which you, as an employee, are the most protected by our laws because our laws give the employer the right to make any non-discriminatory business decision that it has to or wants to as long as you pay that employee out. Um, so if you're terminated, focus less on the reason, although I, I understand it can feel quite personal, but focus on that package in front of you, making sure that you're getting everything that you're entitled to. Yeah, we often joke, you know, you and uh, Lior and myself, you know, you come in one day, your boss says, you know, you drive a red car. I'm not a big fan of red cars. I'm going to let you go. They yeah. can do that, but as long as they pay full severance, right? Yeah, yeah, they can. I mean, they can terminate you because you got a bad performance review five years ago or because they feel like it or because, you know, they you eat egg salad in, in the lunchroom. Right. I mean, I personally think that's a fireable offense, but many people wouldn't, right? 
Um, so any reason or no reason, or you know what, they can lie to you. They can say, this is a, a big restructuring and we've decided to right. uh, to let you go. And you realize you're the only person in your group who's being let go. That feels very wrong because it feels dishonest. But again, that is not illegal. What's illegal is not being provided your severance that you're entitled to. We'll take a short break. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cells. The Employment Hour right here, 980 CKNW. We are back in here just till about a few minutes to five o'clock. Is uh, you got some time to call in six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. We'll get you through talking about some of the most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer. Leah, another one is you know my severance letter says I have to accept by a certain date, you know Friday at five, or else what do I do? Should I be panicking? No, uh, but it does depend on what <laughs> date it is. Um, no. If if it's the same day or the next day or even the end of the week, just simply ask for more time. It's that simple. Tell them you need to sleep on it. Talk it over with family. Call your resident friendly employment lawyer. But tell them you need more time. They will give it to you. Because guess what? Your rights, your entitlements do not expire Friday at 5. They crystallize the moment that you're terminated. And no passing of deadlines is going to change that. Um, so the follow-up question to that, which is, which is really one of the most common questions I get, is usually why do companies provide a deadline if it's meaningless? Um, right. And, you know, sometimes it's because companies want to exert some pressure on you. They want you to feel the crunch, feel like you've got a time-limited chance to accept their offer because... Yeah, pressure tactic. Yeah, it, it makes it feel like you've got some sort of opportunity here, like you've got no time to speak to a lawyer. Um, and if they're making it sound like it's something that's going to slip away, perhaps you will try to hold on tighter. Um, a less kind of nefarious reason companies add a deadline is simply for certainty. They they want yeah. to do the books. They want to close the file. They may have a monthly budget, or you know their audit is coming up, and your severance payment is going to be listed as an ex- as an expense. Um, so there's all sorts of reasons why a company would impose a deadline on your package. But the expiration of your entitlements, a difference to your entitlements, is not one of those reasons. Um, now, I should also say here that it's not necessarily wise to ignore a deadline either. Yep. I always try to respond by the deadline set by the company simply to be respectful and to get negotiations started off on the right foot. And you should, too. But if a deadline's put in front of you uh, and you're feeling that pressure, just ask them for more time. I've never seen this refused. And on the very, and I say extremely rare occasion that your severance offer is more than it actually should by law, take it <laughs> and go. But it yeah. won't be. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Run. You yeah. sign that paper and run. But but before you sign any papers, please, please speak to a lawyer and, yeah. and make sure that you are at least getting you know what you're entitled to. It may be the case that I tell you you've got the full package and you're good to go, but at least you can sign that with, with mm-hmm. closure. You can know that you have the information uh, to make that choice. You want to get a hold of Leah or another member of the firm, help at employmenthour.com or 604-283-3123. Anytime. We'll get to uh, to John here. Hey, John, good afternoon. How are you? Not bad. Yourself? Good, pal. You got a couple of minutes. What's uh, what's going on with you? Well, I was just wondering about like all the, all these benefits and severance and stuff. Like, I work in the trades, and um, I've never heard of anyone ever getting a severance package before. Yeah, or common. Anything like that. Um Usually it's kind of like you work there until you're not needed anymore, and then 
you get laid off. So there, it's almost like I've never heard of these rights before. Yeah, it's very common in the construction industry, right, Leah? Yeah, it's very common in the construction industry, oh. and it's very common in trades. My uh, my younger brother is a carpenter in uh, in Ontario, and uh, a lot of my work in Ontario uh, actually came from him and his friends yeah. because a lot of those companies, a lot of those employers, they you're absolutely right. It is like they've never heard of employee rights before and they act accordingly. Um, you know, and I find the same to be true here. I was I recently had a client who who was actually also working as a carpenter uh, down in Kelowna and uh, and he was terminated in in really crazy circumstances uh, and I'm helping him out as well. But when I first reached out to this company, the company response was, I don't know what you want from me. Uh, you know, this guy was hired on as a contractor. He came on and now he's not needed anymore but that is not how it works if if you come on and and you're working as an employee for this company um, you know if you're if you're enrolled in benefits if uh, you know, if you are, uh, if your schedule is set by the company, if your rate of pay is set by the company, uh, all that good stuff, you are an employee. Importantly, John, even if you're not an employee, even if you set your own rate of pay, you set your hours, you call yourself a contractor, um, you bring your own tools to the site, and you agree to the to be employed for the duration of a of a project. Um, you're a dependent contractor, and mm-hmm. being a dependent contractor still entitles you to severance. So you are absolutely entitled to a severance in the trades. It doesn't matter what kind of industry you're in. You are entitled to severance. So makes sense, John. It makes sense, yeah. So if there's uh, if my my employer couldn't get enough contracts, for example, um, mm-hmm. and so they needed to cut some people loose, um, they would have to pay them severance. Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time, right? I mean, I think that it might be more common with trades, but you've got, you know, you've got firms, you've got all sorts of client-facing industries that lose clients, that lose big customers, and, and the result of that often is layoffs. And, you know, that's unfortunate for the company, and layoffs do happen, terminations do happen, but that's not the employee's fault. That's not the employee's fault. And, and in Canada, we found that people who are in that situation, who are terminated without cause, are entitled to severance, are entitled to be compensated uh, for the amount of time that they are anticipated to be unemployed until they find other work. Appreciate your call, John. We just got about 30 seconds left here. We should mention as well that uh, you got to be careful how many times you get laid off because then become an implied term of your employment too, right? Then, then it's too late to go back, right? Yes, yeah. So again, we, you know, we were, we'll just cover this really quickly because it's so important. But, um, you know, we were speaking earlier with Robert, the difference between layoffs and, and firing. And so if you've been, if you've been actually laid off, so your company said you're going to be on a temporary layoff because it's seasonal or because business is slow. Um, you know, that is something that you have to be very careful about agreeing to because if you agree to that, it can happen again and again and again and again. But if it happens that first time and you claim a constructive dismissal, you can be entitled to your full severance that you're entitled to uh, as a long-term employee. Done for another week, my dear. Very good job. Excellent, as always. And again, if that happens, you make that phone call, 604-283-3123 and help at employmenthour.com. If you want to know what your severance offer is, severancepaycalculator.com. Till next week, it's been the Employment Hour, 980 CKNW.